We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, LightYears listeners? We're excited to invite you to the official LightYears slash Warriors World Draft Party on July 29th at Standard Deviant Brewery in San Francisco. Our first official show, post-pandemic, food, drinks, real-time draft analysis, Q&As, special guests, free merch giveaways. And remember, your first drink is on us with a ticket purchase. We are excited and can't wait to see you there. Info to purchase tickets can be found on our social feeds and official LightYears link tree. Welcome to Light Years Radio. I think that's what I'm going to start calling these uh, green room shows mm. because I think I think we have more fun with listener call-in shows than anyone else. So, Andy, draft party month away. You excited? Oh, I'm excited. I'm excited. Exactly one month away. Whew. Well, is it? Oh, July 29th, I guess. It, to me, it feels like draft is coming up too quick. Last year, during the pandemic, I felt like we did draft coverage for a year straight. <laughs> Sam, yeah, but that was that's not good days. for anyone's health. <laughs> now, now, now the draft is here. I mean, the lottery passed a week or so ago. Now we only have four weeks left. Like, I can't do I, I can't do a Zaire Williams week. I can't do a Cord Kiss per week. I can't do a Josh Giddy week. Like we just gotta go I'm, in there. We I'm so there I'm so I'm it. so sorry I've robbed you of Josh Giddy Week. Um, <laughs> no, I've robbed you, or this timing has robbed you. That's that's your guy. But you know, now we gotta get after it. We just we gotta go right away and start talking about uh, what are we about today? Mock drafts. Mock drafts. So, um, yeah, that's what today's episode is. I felt like this is a good starting point. By the way, if you didn't get a chance, check out Monday's episode with MT. MT always the best. Um, so I was looking at mock drafts and I mm. decided to make a list, um, just to kind of, you know, of like the main draft people to let us know where everyone's standing right now. And so I'm going to run through this for you. Okay. Yep. So Jonathan Gavoni of ESPN has the Warriors taking Davion Mitchell and Kai Jones. So seven and 14, okay. Jonathan Wasserman of Bleacher Report, who will be on the show in a week or so. Has him taking Franz Wagner and Corey Kisman. All right. Sam Sam Vecini, the athletic, has them taking Booknight and Usman Garuba. Um, Okay. 
Anthony Slater in the Athletics like beat writer mock draft has them taking Franz Wagner and Duarte, your boy Chris Duarte. Okay, okay. CBS Sports has them taking Davion Mitchell and Sengun. Um, and then KOC with the ringer has them All taking right. Davion Mitchell uh, and Usman Garuba. So I want to focus on seven today. And right. really, I also saw um, the GSW Reddit account kind of threw this out there. And he basically noted he went through every mock and it's like eight people have the Warriors taking Mitchell at, at uh, seven. Four have them taking Wagner, like three have them taking Book Knight. So those seem to be like the early front runners. We all know that, you know, they're, they're not going to get like Jalen Green or Jalen Suggs and Scotty Barnes and yeah. Kuminga are probably gone. If they stay at seven is what I'm saying. Yeah. Yes, like, yes, so yes. you're right. So Davion Mitchell is the front runner here. So I feel like we need to talk about him. Let's talk Davion. We can get into some of these other names, maybe in other shows, but I think that's the big name because I think that's someone the Warriors like. He's the most mocked person to the Warriors. And, uh, and I think seven's a good spot because I, he doesn't get to 14, right? If the Warriors passed on him, he doesn't get to 14, right? I think that's, that's fair. So I think if the Warriors like Davion Mitchell, that's the place to get him. Um, as far, you know, I, I, the only games I've watched of Davion Mitchell are the tournament games. That's all, all I have. Sure. Other stuff that I've watched with him are highlights and YouTube compilations and some scouting stuff, you know, people breaking him down. Like, that's all I've got. I'm not out here breaking down tape, chopping up film. But that's my job. As far as I, that's you, that's you every day, every day, just all day scouting. Uh, it's like all 22 for NFL. I, the thing I like about Davion Mitchell is he seems like he's going to be a perfect fit in the Warriors system. Uh, to me, he seems like he's going to be able to come in and he's not going to have some of those James Wiseman issues. He's going to be able to play. Like he's not even going to have those Jordan Poole issues to me because he's going to be able to play defense. He's going to be able to – he's going to understand that he's going to play it at a high intensity. He's going to be able to – I don't want to say shoot, Sam, because it seems like that's a little bit of a question mark. But he did shoot well last season. He's going to be – he has the toughness that someone like Steve Kerr likes. He's quote-unquote ready to play in the league today. He's a little bit older. Um, and then he, he also knows how to pass and, and cut and all that. So I don't know how much upside he has. I don't think I'm talking about a guy that is going to be the next Donovan Mitchell, right, or, or Devin Booker or, or some of these guys. But to me, it feels like he's going to be playing in the NBA for a long time and he's going to be playing in season one. I don't know, man. Yeah. Maybe not great in, in seven, but if you're the Warriors, I bet you they like him. I bet you they do. See, that's my problem. I will be really disappointed if they take Mitchell at seven because to me, he's a low upside pick. You're, basically, in, you're basically admitting you can't scout or develop. and. Um, someone in the chat goes, who's the last six foot guard to actually be good? I would say Kyle Lowry and Fred Van Vliet are very good. Kyle Lowry, uh, Kem- Kyle Lowry by the way, is probably a decent comp from, for, from what you, you read and see. Kyle Lowry is like your best case comp for him. But <laughs> I'm going to say realistically, it's more of the Patrick Beverly, maybe a shorter Marcus Smart for him. Um, and don't get me wrong. Those dudes are Good players. They are. I just like don't want to take that at seven. Uh, I have questions if he can shoot the ball. I have just I just have questions about the upside. Like to me, I understand that the Wiseman experience didn't go well for the Warriors year one. But 
to me, as Marcus explained in our last pod, as we've said all year, as anyone you talk to who kind of has a pulse on the Warriors, I think the Wiseman flop uh, flops even the whoa. Right whoa. <laughs> Sorry, the Wiseman poor year one is on year the coaching staff. It's on the coaching staff. They didn't put him in a position to succeed. I look at other teams with one and done players. Like I look at like Boston with Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum year one literally just stood in the corner and played defense, but he was good at it. Obviously, fast forward four or five years, he's a superstar, but they were able to make him useful in year one when it wasn't, you know, it wasn't clear that he was going to be that kind of guy. I think if like Paul George was the same way, averaged seven points a game, he was a three and D wing for Indiana. All of that comes down to coaching, identifying a way to make get the player on the floor and put him in a comfortable role to succeed. To me, the Warriors should be able to do that with some of these younger prospects. And that's on the coaching staff because end of the day, you have Steph Curry, you're going to get Clay Thompson back. You have Andrew Wiggins, who's a veteran. You have Draymond Green. You, you're probably going to bring in a couple other veterans. Any rookie you bring in is going to have a small role. You should take a guy with higher upside who you think you can put in a small role and maybe in two years that role expands. I, I feel like looking at the names here, um, but I, I don't disagree with you. I, the, looking at the names here, it feels like to me that the Warriors have these kind of in buckets. of They've got a tier of the guys that they like that they think can play right away. It's obvious those players are Davion Mitchell, uh, Corey Kispert, Franz Wagner, I don't even know if I'm saying his name right. Hopefully I am. And and uh, you are Duarte, right? very, very those, proud of your pronunciation. Come on, baby. Uh, those seem like guys that the Warriors, you know, they'll take at seven and those guys will be able to play right away. Or maybe at 14 if it's Kispert, something like that. Right. And then the other tier to me, and now I find this interesting because you're talking about wings. I find this interesting because I'm looking at Kai Jones. I'm looking at Garuba. I actually don't really know Garuba. I don't know. him, though. But Sengun. <laughs> What I'm Gar- Garuba at, is um, Garuba is this year's next Draymond Green. Okay. I'll just put it that way. He's 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 uh you know so kind of a, kind of, a like on yeah Jake kind of Kongwu maybe uh, maybe like a bigger guy that can play switchy on defense something like that. Is he kind of or is he a wing? What, what is he? No, nah, he's a big. He's a big okay. like Draymond. He's six eight, okay. but he is very much a big. Do you know uh, it to me? But I'm looking at these names. What's missing is those seems like those are bigs when you're talking about betting on a talented project, right? Because look at Kai Jones, Garuba then, um, but and Sangoon. But I don't see any wings. I don't see any I don't see any of those Moses Moody types. The chat is blowing up with Moses Moody. So like that's the name I'll I mean that's there. that's like, that's not, one. That's one. Franz Ryan Wagner. Williams, Franz Jay, Wagner Johnson though. Franz yeah. Wagner is a legitimate ring wing. Sorry, not ring wing um book nights a wing i mean they're there um it doesn't feel like that's the that's what the warriors are necessarily those aren't the names that are popping out to me sam is what i'm trying to say it feels like they're looking at those win now guys that are a little bit older and a little bit ready to play and then they've got other guys that where you're just i don't know are they bigs are they what's going on there i don't see any wings i don't see any of those guys I, I mean, I, I would say it's a mistake, but I'm I'm seeing oh, no. more than a handful of wings. I mean, you got Moses Moody, you got Book Knight, you got Franz Wagner. All I'm, of those I'm, guys are. I'm wings. saying the war. It doesn't feel like the Warriors are mocked. I'm not saying they're. Oh, I, I I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, wings. Yeah, okay. Like sorry, the Warriors I, are looking at them. I, I take it back. Um, 
I misunderstood you there. Uh, what I was going to say is I feel like a lot of the Davion Mitchell stuff. Here's my other issue with Davion Mitchell at the pick, by the way, is there's no scenario where he can play next to Steph long term. So you're literally drafting a backup at number seven. Like you're not playing a six foot guard next to Steph long minutes, even if he's Patrick Beverly on defense. You're playing yeah. him next to Steph for five to seven minutes a game. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe the Warriors lean into Toronto and do the whole like, um, you know, Lowry Van Vliet thing, and are just like, dude, they're good, right? Maybe maybe they do that. But I, I just it feels like such a low upside move where you're just like you're trying to uh, you have the number seven pick and you're just trying to slap a single. Like your goal is like, I just want to get on base. That's all I want to do because you were so scarred by last year's draft and like how you didn't set yourself up for success last year that like, all you want to do is make, make soft contact with the bat. I don't want to make a baseball analogy, um, but it, it does feel like a bit of an overcorrection uh, a little bit, if that's the case. And and I wouldn't mind if that Davion Mitchell would be the pick. Maybe if you told me that he was the pick at 14, I wouldn't mind it. But, to your point, too, of, of Davion playing next to Steph long-term, uh, that may work because Clay is going to have to play the three and the four long-term. Like, the days of, of Clay Thompson guarding guards is is probably... I'm, I'm, so, ex- I'm so excited for, like, 38-year-old Clay as a stretch five. <laughs> it's coming. <laughs> like, but yeah. I can see him, yeah, through four, yeah. four at least, right, at the four. But, yeah. Here's, here's what I think is going on with the Davion Mitchell thing. I think Bob... Myers made a bunch of statements about wanting veterans and win now guys. And I think Bob was doing the whole smoke screen thing. I think he was just kind of trying to play the room a little bit. And uh, it just makes sense. You know, if you're a mock guy and you don't have, uh, you don't know what the Warriors are doing and you're hearing noise about them wanting to win now and needing a guy, you're going to mock the most quote unquote NBA ready guy to them. Right. <laughs> yeah. little, little mac little mac jones actually yeah i i will i was gonna say it and then i just couldn't stop chuckling to myself but uh uh yeah i just uh it, it feels the exact same in terms of davion mitchell's pro ready be- because of these reasons steve kerr likes these type of players because of these reasons there's your perfect match now i think the difference is that we did see that kyle shanahan changed the way he viewed football and quarterbacking as far as as far as we think, right? Like, hey, he, we thought he liked that straight pocket pa- pocket passer, blah, 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 blah. He ended up liking the guy that can actually do both. Um, Steve Kerr, we know he likes Davion Mitchell. We know this. We know he likes that type of player. Uh, we know well, he, I mean, he, like, he, he likes He likes guys who compete. And Davion Mitchell, whatever you think of his game, I, I'm fairly confident he's going to have a nice if, long NBA career because if, the guy competes his ass off. If Davion Mitchell played like Lamelo Ball, you think Steve Kerr likes him? Like, what are we do- like? There's no fucking chance. So we got it. So my my thing would would be like, who does Steve Kerr change the way he thinks about players and what players that he likes? Because as far as I'm concerned, Steve Kerr is probably as loud as voice in the room as someone like Bob Myers, right? When he talks about picking these type of players, he want, he's the guy that has to coach them. Yeah, so but every I, 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 fascinating. Don't make me don't make me defend Steve Kerr, but um... <laughs> please defend him. <laughs> <laughs> there isn't a coach in the NBA who doesn't want the most ready player. Like no one wants to go in the NBA that gets to decide, you know, who they get to pick though. Like every, that's, that's a difference. True. But we have very little indication. He gets to decide the pick. <laughs> yeah, that is true. Um, I mean, because, out there. 
because I have a feeling if he was in charge, uh, they would have traded uh, the number two pick for just some like rotation veteran because he didn't, <laughs> you know, that's that's the way coaches. Th- I mean, that's just the way coaches think. Be yeah, real, like because because I, mean, I get it as a coach because it's like everyone's like, ooh, don't you want this long term development project? Coach is like, I mean, maybe they should. Uh, are you gonna are you gonna give me a ten year contract because? I might not see him be good at the end of the, you know, my deal. So, I mean, that's just, that's, that's just a standard coach thing. That's why a coach and GM can't be, um, there has to be a little bit of conflict between the two of them because they're not totally aligned in what their, their goals are. I wonder who Kirk likes. I do wonder who Kirk likes. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis. Analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's see. Should we open this to questions now? Yeah, let's get some goons on. Oh, let's get Grant up here first. <laughs> Mr. Liffman, what is up? Can you guys hear me? Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, hey, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I'd I check got... you guys out and see what you got. I got. I like what's going on here. Uh, yeah, Davion Mitchell is, uh, Mitchell is not going to be the seventh overall pick. <laughs> so you feel confident about this? Yes, very confident. Are you willing to put money on it? Grant sources. Sure. Okay. Well, I don't actually. I don't actually want to bet on him being the seventh pick because I agree with you. So it's not, <laughs> no, it's not it, a good. Do you, do you thing, like him as a Do you like him as a player? I guess is, is a question. Like, well, what are the kind of reasonings there? In, yeah, in actually, I really like him as a player. Um, I, I think he actually has a good chance of being a productive player in the NBA. Uh, at seventh overall, you you just can't be a prisoner of the moment and go for this win now mode where you have to pick somebody that's ready to step in and just be you know, a productive player in the NBA. You you have to be able to think broader and uh, wiser than that. And that at seven, you have to go with someone with a bigger upside, even if it doesn't completely fit your win now mode. Uh, at 14, you can start reaching for people that are actually like, you know, able to help you at this moment more. But uh, yeah, at seven, they're not going to go for a guy that's six foot. That's going to back up. Steph. <laughs> yeah. I do. Pre- I do appreciate your confidence here. Um, I want to ask you this. All right. So we know, let, let's say Cade, Jalen Suggs, Jalen Green, Evan Mobley, and uh, let's just say Kuminga and Scotty Barnes are off the board. Who do you like most after that? Because I think that's the conversation right now. I, I, I honestly think seven is probably the hardest slot in the whole yeah. draft right now, to be honest yeah. with you. I, I really do. I think I, I tweeted this out before. I think 14 actually has some of the more value in terms of just sometimes right. some of the players you think is going to go seven will end up 14. I know Moody's being said a lot, but Moody could be there at 14, right? If you want him at seven, same with Mitchell and same with some other players. 
I, I don't love him, but I think Wagner's game translates better to the NBA than college. Um, I think he's actually a lot smoother and a good defender. Um, I think his shot's a little slow and he starts a little low with his hands, but I think he'll be good. But book night, I mean, I think he has the most upside in terms of a pure score. Um, and I think that could help immediately, but yeah, seven's tough. I'll be honest with you. It's tough. Is book night a warrior's fit? It seems like a, seems like the chucker. It seems like a Jordan Poole type of player. You know what? They need more of that. To be they honest, do. With you. I, I think agree. I, I think you look at the playoffs right now and you see the players that are really making an impact, and the the Warriors just don't have enough of those guys. They need guys that can just fill it up a little bit from a scoring perspective. And if you look at the vets that are available right now that they could possibly get their hands on in free agency, none of them are scores. They're all yeah. you know all they're all all around players. So you're going to need somebody that can be a little spark. That's, I think that's someone that the Warriors kind of want to just those those spark those scorer types like that's why I kind of feel like those the Zaire Williams where it may take a few years maybe Moody there's a couple other wing guys out there that may take a little bit longer like Jalen Johnson seems like he would be kind of a sweet pick he just kind of has no idea who he is I, I guess he had a kind of a messy breakup there at the end with with duke or whatever yeah there's there's some it, there's but, some uh there's some flags there's some questions yeah, to be answered it, it, but he it, would be a who like he would be a because wasn't he a top four or five guy coming into the season and it's not like his talent has changed if you don't think that uh steve kerr and bob myers would like certain players uh jalen johnson's gonna be number <laughs> one on that list of players that they would not like so uh <laughs> it's possible upside they can just take a risk and you know every now and then they have to do something by the way jordan pool by no means is somebody that people would assume that kerr and bob myers like um mm. when they draft you know when they drafted him he was a cocky kid who would fire away and was not very uh technically uh you know sound no. so you know every now and then they go against what they like it's kind of funny that he's probably one of the few picks that have actually turned out well recently but um <laughs> just the, the you know i just i i agree with you guys that i just yeah i, I mean davon mitchell just I, I don't think he's it right now but i do think that uh i i think you know me, and I've told told you guys this before. I think Chris Duarte is the real deal. That's I, right. I truly the thirty eight year old. And I think he's. Yeah, I think. He Tell is, me, thirty eight. <laughs> he's very real. He looks like he looks as old as Sam Fondiari. Wait, okay, wait, hold on. So I have look, I have a look, man. I just trimmed my beard. I'm looking. Ball. I did a facial treatment. I'm looking better these days. <laughs> did you really? You did a facial treatment, Sam? <laughs> no, come on, man. Wow. I was going to say you uh, changed. Actually, uh, <laughs> oh, give us the Duarte. I want to hear the Duarte stuff. Yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna ask you explain, yeah. explain to me what you see in Duarte that differs from, uh, just Diamond. I, I don't want to say Damian. Oh, I'll say Damian Lee. Tell me what you see from him that differs from Damian Lee. Uh, you know, it's funny because of the same height and p- kind of play the same position. That's the reason you can compare them, but they really aren't similar players at all, and in, in, even in the way they play out there. Uh, Damien's very, as a hustle guy that, you know, plays rhythm type offense and he kind of just goes and he's a very good player within a system and he knows the warrior system well and he can play and he can, he can plays good team defense. Chris Duarte is somebody who just, he's, I mean, you guys laughed at me. He's like an athletic, uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich in the way that his athleticism, he, he can stay in front of his, his, uh, 
the opponent, the offense. He always is uh, active, his hands in the passing lanes. And the guy has a beautiful-looking three-point shot. I think his game is a lot more mature than a lot of people expected. And the jump he made throughout his college career is something that the Warriors really admire. They always look for guys that show growth throughout college. And I think he's like the prime example of that. And age matters. Yeah, I was going to say, um, so so my, I guess that's where I differ with you. Like, I, I watched him at Oregon. Um, and do you really think he can create a shot like Bogdanovich? Like, that's that's the big difference. Because I, I feel fairly confident he'll be able to shoot the ball. And he'll probably be able to play some level of defense. I'm not sure if he's going to be a great defender. But, you know, he'll be, he'll be a defender. But, like, what, when, when you throw out Bogdanovich, I feel like the separator with him is he's really underrated off the dribble. Like he's really good off the bounce. Do you really think someone like Duarte can do that? I, I, you know, I actually, I agree with you. I think Bogdanovich is underrated in that way. Of course, here's the thing is that when we talk about these guys, you know, I'm not saying that he's going to come into the league and be Bogdanovich, right? That that's, that's the the difference with all these prospects is that, you know, when Sadiq Bey came in last year, you could have said, well, I think he's going to be blank when he comes in like a, 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 a poor man's Robert Covington immediately. Right. For Duarte, can he be a guy that can come in, play pretty good defense and hit an open three and shoot 40% from three and play a wing to small forward, uh, wing to shooting guard position that, you know, is always in high demand right now? I, I think so. Could he play something like Kevin Herter did his first year in the league? I think so in, the, in those ways. But, you know, he's, I, I do think he can develop into some, and something. And I think the age thing scares off a lot of people, but that's just not something that, I don't know. There's there's certain people. If you look at the Warriors, look, look at JTA, look at Damian Lee. These guys are right. awesome. A little later at 27, 28, it's possible. I do. Here's the thing: if if he is a late bloomer, there's nothing better for a team than that because you have him on a rookie deal from like age 24 to 28. Like it's just exactly. it's very it's very advantageous. Like it doesn't usually doesn't work out that way, but it, you know some so it it happens. Sometimes guys are late bloomers. Sometimes everything clicks for them a couple years later than normal. Yeah. So yeah. anyway, I'm not trying to hijack your conversation here. I'm actually really loving this and I appreciate it. Just want to, appreciate. Uh, I want to share my love and I, uh, I love you guys. Appreciate you, Grant, as always. Welcome Just anytime. hearts all around. Appreciate you, you Grant. Going to give you the wow. normal treatment. We're going to keep it moving. <laughs> all right. uh, very, let's let's Grant, get, let's Grant get is the biggest, the biggest Duarte fan. I, 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 he sold me on it, man. I, I'm in on Duarte. I'm in. All right, we got Maxwell. Maxwell, what's up, my man? Hey, guys. Uh, Sam, I don't want to be – I have a bone to pick with you about Davion Mitchell. Get him. Uh, that, that, <laughs> Get him. That last dude also. Because what I think is the whole don't draft a win-now player, what are we talking about? We have Steph Curry. We're never going to have a player as good as Steph. Whether we like to admit it or not, we're not going to have someone who's better than Steph. So if right now isn't win now mode, when when will be win now mode? And about Davian's low upside, I mean, people are saying that because he was a four year guy. But look at dudes contributing right now in the playoffs, like uh, Bridges and Cam Johnson and Terrence Mann. They were considered low upside guys, and they're contributing contributing to championship teams. And the term I think the term low upside is the most overused term in basketball. Because look at a guy like Malcolm Brogdon, who was a four-year dude. He was considered low upside, and the dude is an all-star. And I, I think the standard for upside nowadays is like, can this dude be as good as KD or Giannis? People can have 
good upside without being a, a you know a transcendent generational talent. And I I, I just I, I don't I think low upside is unfair. And okay, and that's, a whole, that's a good call. I do actually think you're you're bringing up a lot of fair points, Maxwell. I, I want to acknowledge them. So the reason I think he's low upside is he's six feet tall. You have to be really special at that size to have like high upside. That's one. Two, I'm not convinced he can shoot the ball. No one at six he was feet 43% tall. 43% from three. 65% from the free throw line. So, I mean, shooters always hit their free throws. There's a, there's a history of guys shooting 40% and not hitting their free throws and coming back down to earth. Markel Fultz comes to mind. I'm not saying he can't figure out his shooting. I just want to point out that this is a weird college year where no one played a normal amount of games and all the sample sizes are messed. So I don't know where I stand on it. I think his shot's actually pretty smooth. I just wouldn't bet on him shooting 45% is basically where I'm at. So um, I'm, I'm willing to consider it. I guess I just, I like some players more than him at the number seven pick, but your points are well taken and you are right. They do need to go for it if they have Steph Curry. I just don't think that necessarily means taking the oldest player in the draft. That's fair. But I do actually think he can play next to Steph. I, I disagree with that as well because, like like you said, if he can become Marcus Smart or Pat Beverly, why, I don't see why a guy like that couldn't play next to Steph. That's fair. That's well, fair. I mean, hey, if he hey, does hey. become – if he does – by the way, I'm actually appreciating Andy. Go ahead, sir. No, just uh, – hey, we, Marcus Smart and Pat Beverly, big difference. All right, guys, just – <laughs> I think you'd much rather have a Marcus Smart than Pat Beth, but no, I think he makes some some fair points along. along and the by the way, Phoenix has gotten away with Beverly guarding uh, Devin Booker. Um, the whole league's going smaller, so I, I don't know that it's as bad as it used to be. But I, I mean, I don't know. Six foot guards still like that's. I mean, it there's a big difference too. But is he really six foot? I guess no, he measured. He measured. He measured six feet. And like I want to say a quarter of an inch at the combine without shoes, so he is, he's he's not tall. I'll just put it that way. Uh, he's my height. I mean, he's my height, but I'm a not an NBA prospect, so let's keep it moving. Last I checked. <laughs> Yo, Mick Walters, what up, man? What up, guys? I love the draft. The draft's always fun because we can always speculate. Everyone can have their Mac Jones freakouts and all that <laughs> bullshit. I I mean, for me, the the names that pop up pop out to me are like guys like Wagner, right? Give me a, th- a really tall 3 and D guy who can fill in a role. We already know we need some shooting and some height and some defense. Great. He's versatile. He proved that already at Michigan. He actually spent two years there. He's got pedigree. You can tell from his brother. And even if he doesn't make his high end, he's still useful as a guy off the bench. I'd be happy with that at seven or a guy like Booknight, maybe some upside. And then I really like Garuba. And I like Ruba for two reasons. One, defender has some upside. Two, you can bury him for a year. We're talking about bringing vets in, and we need vets. Bury one of our high-end picks overseas. Know we have it coming. People are always tantalized by things they see overseas, and we can trade it easier rather than ruining that value here, eking away in the G League. Now, that might be a waste of a pick. Maybe you can move down and do that, but Ruba seems like he's someone that's going to go pretty high. And I think I think thinking in that regard might be one way to do it. And then that's the same thing as packaging the picks, right? Hey, can we move up? Right. Awesome. That would be great too. I'd love to get the five, um, and maybe have a chance at a guy like Barnes or a guy like Suggs falls, right? 
I think that would be ideal. I, and I actually think Orlando might even think about doing that, considering what what they have. But, you know, who, what are they going to ask for? They're going to ask for Wiseman, right? Is that enough? Do you want to trade Wiseman to get, like, your backup guard? Yeah, yeah, I'm, not I'm not trading. Well, for some. I'm not, I'm not trading. Suggs. I'm not trading Wiseman to move up two picks. That's, exactly. That's a I little, would either. Unless, unless it's Suggs. I don't know. I think about it. Even if it's Suggs. Oof, that's, I mean, that's I a lot like, to move up two picks. It's a lot. It's a lot. Give me a shooter. Just trade and, and it. Just someone... trade a future first to move up two picks. <laughs> I mean, exactly. I agree. I agree. But maybe they love Wiseman. I think Wise Orlando does love lengthy guys who can't, you know, shoot. I guess. But Detroit's GM really loved Wiseman too. I mean, can you move <laughs> up to five and then make a make a pitch to Detroit to move to one to get Cade? I mean, you know, or maybe you can do you know steps up. But I mean, who knows, right? I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll see. Sure. What I worry about is us taking a guy like Mitchell, who's undersized, who just showed from the combine. He's even shorter than we thought he was. He only shot well for one year, and and that's the person everyone thinks they that the Warriors are going to take. You know, and it has me worried because everyone's like, oh, well, they're all totally going to take that smiley guy in the second round. I was like, well, why would we do that? We already know him. Well, and hey, it, hey, it's cool. Hey. We have a leak. So, do we have a leak on the Mitchell news? I mean, who knows? No, no smiley slander. That's that's it for you. <laughs> <laughs> See you guys at the party then. Appreciate you, McWalter. See you yeah. at the party. <laughs> uh, the Wagner stuff is interesting. Ryan's coming on here. I, 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 hey. I don't know. Talk about upside. I don't know if he's the guy. Hey, Ryan. Ryan, what's up, guys? What you got for us? Uh, first, I just want to say. Uh, the Davion Mitchell thing feels like a smokescreen to end all smokescreens, first of all. And then secondly, I want to just say I'm a James Booknight guy because I feel like he could slide into multiple lineups. You could play him next to Poole. You could play him next to Stephen Clay. You could just play him in many different settings, and he's a high upside guy. He could play. I, I feel like he could play right away because he's probably, outside of the top five, the best shot maker in this draft off the bounce, in my opinion. And then you could get a Davion Mitchell type, like a Chris Duarte, who I feel like is not much of a difference from Davion Mitchell, and it's only another two-year age gap, and get a Chris Duarte at 14, and you get your high upside guy, and you get your win-now guy, and you don't reach on a six-foot point guard at number seven. I like that. I think the other thing, by the way, Ryan, we appreciate you. The other thing I really like about Booknight, and we'll talk about him on other pods, is like, he gets to the rim, and... I've been thinking about this. I legitimately think this team needs someone who can actually get to the rim and finish at the rim almost more than they need shooting because Steph's the only guy who can legitimately get to the rim on this team. Wiggins doesn't do it. Clay doesn't do it. Draymond doesn't do it. Looney can barely finish inside. The, the only guy is Jordan Poole. Hey, right, and, and he's not – and Steph, and like, do I really want Steph throwing his body around inside all day? Like, it would be nice to have a guard who could take it off the bounce and actually get inside of ten feet, not just like pull up for some weird like mid range shot. You talk about Andrew, come on, Reggie, come on. Andrew Wiggins had a good game today um, for Team Canada, but I, I, I <laughs> very, very much uh, agree with you, and and that's why I will be fascinated because the Warriors to me, don't seem like a team that wants to take that creator kind of shoot first guy, which Book Knight seems like he is. By the way, people that I know that watch college sports more than the NBA love Book Knight so much. They love him. Right? Just just kind of a pure score at all three levels. And I'm just like... He's ah, got some even. sauce. Like, that's, that's the guy. Yeah. And, and, and I think of Jordan Bull. I just think of like, okay, like the Warriors are going to have to get used to it. But guess what? Jordan Bull is a fucking baller. 
<laughs> yeah, he's Jordan a good Poole, player. He's a good what he was in the first season, and I was number one on the Jordan Poole slander train. But man, when they <laughs> when he figured it out, uh, he has been awesome. You know, here's hoping that he has another leap in year three. But yeah, I'm with you on Book Night. Like that may be the guy to where I'm like, why would you if you can take him, why bother with someone like Wagner? Like that's the stuff I really David Mitchell, sure, whatever. But Wagner, at least even Mitchell, you know that he's got that quote unquote like I like I like, I like Wagner. Wagner gives me a lot of Batum vibes. But he's yeah. not yeah, like but he's not yeah, it's just like Wagner seems like a perfect Kerr guy. Um Book Knight doesn't, but they might someone like Book Knight more, man. Like but I mean Prime Batum was awesome. If that's the comp. But they need something like I'll take like I'll take two thousand twenty one Batum. But yeah. Sure. <laughs> sure. Yeah. All right. Drove, what's up, man? Hey, what's up, guys? Uh, I I came up here to spread my uh, Zaire Williams propaganda mostly, Ooh. but uh, with the with the uh, with the seventh pick, I feel like in this draft you might actually be better served with the upside type pick. And I feel like Grant had like a really good point, and I think he said it multiple times where he's like talking about at fourteen, you're probably gonna have a clearer idea of who you want to go after. And honestly, I think that you can probably still get Mitchell at 14 if you don't draft him at 7. But for me, the reason a guy like Zaire Williams pops out, and I think some of the other players who are like great wings could be like good ideas at 7-2, is that a lot of these guys had really good indicator stats for shooting. I know Zaire Williams stuff, like especially he was like an 85% free throw shooter in college. Like... That's a better indicator than college three-point percentage. And for me, it's like you can get really athletic guys who have super high upside, like all-star upside, who can still probably come in and at least get minutes because like they're large, they can defend, and they can shoot threes. So I just think that at this point, like I, I can't see a reason why you want Pat Bev without a jumper at seven. <laughs> I'm with you, man. I, I like that. I like that call. It's a strong take. Z- Zaire is a guy that, if you Zaire. trust the Warriors player development team to to build up a guy with some real, real talent, that's probably not ready for two years. He's probably the guy for it. There we go. Right? There, that's, 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 that's what you're, that's what you're saying. Lot, right? Yeah, he's not ready for two yeah. years. Like he had a rough college <laughs> year. Um, the talent you you can see the talent, but it's. If you're looking for a contribution in 2021 or 2022, he's no, not. No, but why not take a gamble? You know what I mean? If you're, let, let's say, they, let's say they take a book night or he's a higher upside gamble than like Smiley and Nico Man. <laughs> yes. Like that's, he's actually, that would be a great scenario. I think for the Warriors, what they would like to do is pick Wagner. They can say, he's a guy that can play. We like him. We know he fits. And then on the flip side, we take a Pac-12 guy, Stanford guy and say, let's groom him. Right. Let, let's let's develop him to be a star because he's got the upside. I think that would be a pretty sweet uh, result. Let's keep moving into it. Gary, what's up, man? What's up, fellas? How you guys doing tonight? What's up? It's a great night. I, I got a I got a question for you guys. I'm going to go a little off the board here. But uh, if I had to ask you to make a prediction, what do you think we're going to be talking about at the end of the offseason saying, hey, the Warriors made this move? What do you guys think that's going to be? That Ooh, one big a- move. That's a good question. Hmm. Andy, I'll let you go first. Sorry, what, what did you? What was the move? Is if there's one move that the Warriors can make, is that what you're asking? 
Yeah, yeah. What's what's the big uh, headline that we're going to be talking about yeah, at yeah. the end of the off season? I will manage. You know, I bring. I oh, you're, you're telling me predict or what I want? Yeah, yeah. Prediction. <laughs> I actually. Um, oh man. Well, okay. I know what I want. Uh, I don't think they're going to make a huge move. I don't. I, I don't. I don't think so. Like the Pascal Siakam stuff that came out the other day. By the way, that rumor's hilarious um, because it seems like that's been a rumor for a year running. Um, I don't think there's going to be a big thing. I actually, I think they're going to end up using both picks. I think this front office isn't the type of team to say, well, let's package those picks and, uh, and try to get a player. But like, I don't think they're going to try to be the Pascal Siakam, even if that trade is on the table. I don't think they're going to try to give Miles Turner, even if that trade was on the table. I don't think they're going to trade James Weissman, even if they shop him. Whatever trade pops up that the other team puts on the table, they're going to say, well, we value James Weissman more. We value seven more. Like, I just, I, I don't. I don't know if that's bad news or not. I just don't think that's going to happen. So those are the big moves, though, right? Those are the only big moves. Everything else is Batman, you know, trade player exception, Kelly Oubre signing trade, like all that stuff is table stakes. But with the draft picks and Wiseman, I don't think they move off of them. I think I'm with Andy on this one. I just don't see it happening, by the way, Gary. Appreciate the call. Um, I think everyone knows the Warriors want to win now, and that makes it very hard to make a trade. So I think it's likely they keep both picks. They're going to use the mid-level exception. Um, hopefully they get someone better than Brad Wanamaker this year. And, um, you know, hopefully they can come back with some depth and uh, with a different development staff, maybe it comes together better. Because end of the day, uh, if Clay is healthy, he brings Steph Draymond, what they have going, they'll be in a better position than they were this year. With some internal development, it should be interesting. I don't know how high that upside is, but it should be at least a little more interesting than it was this year. Shik, what's up, man? Yeah, so uh, I mean, just looking at how Atlanta has built their roster with Travis Schlenk, um, I was wondering, like, who do you think is the Kevin Herter slash DeAndre Hunter of this draft that we can snag at fourteen? Ooh, that's a great question. Um, Let's see, two different players. Uh, let's see. I, I really do think it's Book Knight, it's Wagner, it's maybe Moses Moody. Um, those are the players. I haven't really decided which of the three I like the most, but I think one of those three players is definitely going to be someone who pops, who everyone's like, oh, why didn't he go higher? Why, why is everyone, you know, none to him? And we'll see. Tough to answer that one. I don't, I haven't gotten to. I haven't gotten to the rest of the players. Keep them moving. Hey, what's up, Nathan. guys? How we doing? Good. What's up, Nathan? Good. Uh, I'm I'm here for uh, Moses Moody propaganda. Uh, <laughs> I think the reason why people are maybe a little lower on like the excitement level with him nationally is he's perceived as low upside, and like the earlier caller caller said. It's an overused term. Moody is seven foot, has a seven foot one wingspan and has every indicator of being a strong shooter and has a mature style of play. I like Book Knight, but players like him, like Jordan Poole, sometimes need a year or two to really feel out NBA defense before they're actually like useful scorers. And I am very much prioritizing next season, but if you're going to pe- pick at seven, you probably can't pick a guy who your goal is a 12-minute-per-game backup point guard like Davion Mitchell. Um, so I like Moody because he's young enough to fit the upside play with kind of a win-now skill set. And then at 14, I think that's where you just kind of 
take your stab in the dark with Zaire. I mean, he he was one of those guys who was projected top 10 before the college season. He had a weird season off the court, and he does have strong shooting indicators between his form and his free throw percent. And he's tall and can handle the ball. Like, if he hits, it's a huge hit. Anyways, that's my propaganda. You guys can uh, respond how you want. Appreciate it, Nathan. I do think the 14th pick is interesting because it feels like between 7 and 15, there's like 15 players who are about the same level of prospect. Like, they're all interesting. They all have like one thing where you're like, I don't know, you know, that type of thing. Um, so at 14, you might almost be able to get a prospect at the same level of like seven or eight. So it'll be, inter- I feel like 14 will be a much easier pick for the Warriors because someone they like who they thought was going to go at like nine or 10 will be there and they will be an easy choice. Yeah. I mean, they'll say that though. That's for sure. They'll, they'll definitely say that. Oh, we, I mean, a- have- after, after the draft, they're going to be like, these were our two guys. We had them one and two on our board. <laughs> we, you know? we had Corey Kispert at fourth on our big board. <laughs> Really? What kind of big board do you think they have? Do you think it's uh do you think it's like a whiteboard? Do you think they have the old school chalkboard? Do you think it's like a new school board with Velcro where they're like moving Ooh. names up and down? Do you I, think it's completely computerized? Do you think it's no, not even a big board? I I feel like Steve Kerr wants a chalkboard. I feel like <laughs> it's a chalkboard. I feel, <laughs> I feel like Kirk has the VR uh goggles on and he's doing like a like a you know <laughs> he's doing a thing where there, nobody really knows what the fuck he's doing but he honestly he probably doesn't know what the fuck he's doing something something's happening uh no i i, I don't know man I, I feel like uh they've got their work cut out for them the, these two picks that they had the more that i hear you talk about this draft and the listeners talk about this draft and the more you read about this draft the warriors have a chance with these two picks to pick two guys that could be stars I'm not saying that they, they are or, or they should actually, but they have the chance to get two stars with these picks, right? Like they, they there is a lot of talent. It seems like in this lottery, um, there yeah, is. They're not getting Suggs, but if they hit, like they could get like just a really good rotation player and an All Star. Like that could be very possible with this much talent. That's crazy. That's crazy. That's up to uh, up to uh, up to old boys in the front office. Nice. Let's keep moving. A couple more callers. We'll call it a night. Ash, what's up, man? Yo, what's up, guys? Yeah, so I actually thought of, like, two pretty interesting scenarios. The first one I was thinking was, like, if Suggs is there at five and someone really, really, really wants to move back, like Orlando's at five, I think, maybe use seven and another asset, maybe a future first to go up and get Suggs. I feel like Kerr would really like someone like Suggs, just knowing his personality. <laughs> uh, the other thing is maybe they could move back a couple spots if someone falls in love. Maybe Kuminga falls to seven or Scotty Barnes falls to seven. Move back a couple spots to nine. Take Moody, get another asset. Then you can use 14, that asset, maybe in a couple future picks and get that vet rotation guy that, they, that Steve really wants. What do you guys think of that? That's interesting. I, I like that. Um, I do think there's... I want to see if the Warriors can move up because right now it seems like that the top three are locked in and then the next three are locked in. And someone like Suggs would just be awesome for the Warriors because we know exactly what he'd do for them. He'd fit in, be a good player, et cetera. Um, I just don't know. I, th- I think it's too early to see if there's going to be a move up possibility. And I think the Warriors are going to probably be playing all sides of it. Like we're going to hear their name so many times over the next month. 
like next week we're going to do a locker room and it's going to be about some rumor about them trading up. And, you know, it's, they're, they're nothing. if not good at playing smoke screens. I think they should definitely try to trade up as the first option. The problem with that is someone else want to trade down. (laughs) (laughs) Can't close the deal. If the other guys don't want to buy the shit you want to sell. So, um, it's, uh, it's, it's tough. And so, and it's like, if you want to trade up, these guys aren't just some dudes at four and five and, and three, like these guys are, I mean, they're all, all going to be all-stars, but you know, Trevor, Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, Justin Fields, were all blue chippers. Same, same. It feels like with these four guys at the top, they all seem like blue chippers. Um, so you can't just get into the four just cause you want to. Yeah. It's not that simple. <laughs> all right. Corey, what's up, man? What's up? Um, I'm just wondering your thoughts on this. So um, this year's crop of centers kind of makes me a little more bummed out about the Wiseman pick. I feel like both um, Evan Mobley and Sengun um, would be better fits in the Warriors offense. They both can, I think, run the DHO plays a little better and make the right reads in Steve Kerr's offense, and have a little more touch. And obviously Mobley has better potential as a switch defender that's that's all i got but i was just thinking it would have been nice if we had been able to get a big this year rather than last year Corey, appreciate the call um mobley i can see singoon and some of the other guys bring different issues like singoon is more polished offensively but like i'm not sure you can play nba defense there's like a i don't want to compare him to sabonis because sabonis is really damn good right but like don't andy don't you feel like someone like donatus sabonis you're like as much as i like everything he does i'm not confident i can ever build like a championship worthy defense uh, around he's like the guy right like he's like the prototype of a guy that you think that with i mean like yeah where you're just like he's so good at so many things but it's like <laughs> i just don't know how i can how he can hang in a pick and roll against the best player it's 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 like that day. It's the Kevin Love problem. It's Steph Curry and Draymond Green just change basketball, <laughs> offensively and defensively. It's why guys like Demonis Sabonis won't play on championship teams, even though he's awesome. Um, he's and he's he's as good as like he's as good as all the hype he gets. Like he deserves his All Star appearances, but it's like there's a ceiling when he's your center. There just is. That's it for us tonight. Hey, we appreciate you all. We'll be back soon. Check it out. Buy your tickets to the Lightyear's official draft party. It'll be a good time. Bye, everyone.